Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This is Managing Your Financial Future, and I'm Ray Lucia Jr. And I'm Joe Lucia. And we are Lucia Capital Group. Hey, Ray, have you, have you heard about the SECURE Act? Oh, passed into law yes, December of 2019, and everybody's talking about it. It stands for Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement. A very interesting name for this act that has some interesting changes to take into consideration with our financial planning. You've got a couple scenarios that you want to walk through, and then we'll turn it back over to Rick Plum and Johnny Dean, and they're going to go into a lot more detail. So the obvious one that everybody's talking about is you no longer have a required minimum distribution till age 72, which changed from the 70 and a half. But there's a catch. The catch? Let's take my mom, for example. Marilyn. Marilyn. She was born November of 1949. 2020, she's going to be 70 and a half. She would have had a required minimum distribution. Aha. Now she gets to wait till she's 72. Fantastic. I think. She doesn't necessarily have to wait till she's 72, but she has that option. On the flip side, that turns 70 in May. So their birthday was May of 1949. Guess what? We took an RMD in 2019. 2020, they got to take an RMD again. There's also a lot more going on with the SECURE Act, everybody. And uh, on the flip side, I know we were talking about this, beneficiaries kind of get hosed on this deal, right? Oh, in my opinion, they get majorly hosed. Here's the deal. Let's just say, God forbid, your parents had passed away and your dad left you a million dollars and it went to a beneficiary IRA. But, but, but under, under the new rule, you've got to distribute that beneficiary IRA over 10 years. You, don't, you no longer get to stretch it out over your lifetime. Hey, I'll still take that deal. <laughs> I'll take a million bucks over 10 years. But yeah, no, I get it. So, so folks that are inheriting money, especially if it's a sizable IRA, instead of stretching out maybe over 30 years, they're forced to take it out over 10. So that's like the government's going to get paid their taxes about probably 20 years sooner than they normally would have been. So it's a little smoke and mirrors. Hey, everybody, you get to wait a little bit longer, year and a half longer, 72, but... If it doesn't go directly to a spouse and it goes to a beneficiary, we're going to get the money a lot sooner. You know what? It reminds me of Goodfellas, and I can't say it on the podcast, but that's what Uncle Sam is saying. It's time to get paid. So with that, let's turn it over to the boys, Johnny Dean and Rick the Professor Plum. It's been almost two decades we've been on this journey to educate, liberate, and help you take action so you may better manage your financial future, achieve peace of mind, and accomplish your life's purpose. This podcast reveals financial tips, strategies, and insights that will help you set your goals and guide you along the way to help you achieve them. This is Managing Your Financial Future, brought to you by the advisors at Lucia Capital Group. I'm your host, Johnny Dean, with our own Rick the Professor Plum, Chief Financial Planning Officer. It is uh, Managing Your Financial Future. Welcome to the podcast. This is I'm going to call this a special edition of the Managing Your Financial Future podcast. We interrupt your broadcast week. Professor Plum, we're usually here, you know, once a week. With a special broadcast, we need like the teletype machine behind us. <laughs> yeah, we do. It sort of gives it that old-timey <laughs> flair, you know. And uh, Well, I mean, we're, 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 the reason we're doing this is because, obviously, 2020 is here. And uh, they snuck up on this with this SECURE Act. That's right. setting every... Community up for retirement enhancement. 
Yeah, and I don't know if they've proven that it's every single community, and I don't even know if it's all retirement and, uh, enhancement. But there are some important provisions in this, and I thought that we should at least jump in here and relay some of them to our listeners. Because if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, we started this last year. And then there's some people who listen, you know, they download them and they listen to them 10 at a time. And so they're going to hear things from last year that we said, like uh, your retirement uh, required minimum distribution age 70 and a half. Well, that's one of the things that has changed. For and some there, people. For some people. And there may be, yeah, well, for and, and going forward, that's what it's going to be for, for you and me, right. unless they change it. So we're going to talk about this stuff. You may have to put aside some of the old information if you've been listening to the podcast since uh, 2019. So let's get started with this. There, there, there are several provisions. Some are retirement-related, some are not. So we'll start with the retirement-related ones because we talk about managing your financial future. Retirement is in the future. Biggest one I just mentioned, or at least I think it's the biggest one, the required minimum distribution age. Professor Plum, it is no longer age 70 and a half. Well, if you were born after June of 1949... It is now age 72. If you were born before July 1949, it's still age 70 and a half. So if you turned 70 and a half before the end of last year, you still have required minimum distributions going forward, even though you the new age is 72 and some of those people may only be 71. It doesn't matter. If you were born before July 1949, you've got the age 70 and a half required minimum distribution beginning date. If you were born after June 1949, your now your new required minimum distribution begin date is the year you reach 72. Now, all the rules that we had before were you could postpone the first one until April 1st of the following year. Mm-hmm. If you own less than 5% of the business that you're working in and you're working all year, you can postpone. Those still are there. None of that changed. The only thing that changed was your required beginning year. Yeah, I'm not sure why they did this. I don't know. It's whatever. Fine. Age 72. Well, we have that retirement crisis, and they want to give people more time uh, yeah, right. to allow their IRAs to grow longer. <laughs> the retirement crisis that we debunked a couple of episodes back? I, th- I think so. I was saying a little bit tongue cheek but no this is this is two-pronged this one goes along with allowing the accounts to grow more over a longer period of time and then the second part or one of the other provisions within the plan sticks it to the beneficiaries and so it, this, yeah which this we'll isn't about helping individuals no of course it isn't it isn't they they, they take one side they give the other side now uh there, there are also uh, contribution age limits uh, it used to be that once you hit required minimum distribution age you could no longer uh, contribute. contribute to an right. ira even you, if you're working well, yeah well you have to be working to contribute you have to have earned income to contribute to an ira when they created roth iras back in what was that 19 19- 98, they didn't add that to the Roth IRA. So you can contribute yeah. to a Roth IRA at any age. For, if you're 100 years old and still working and earning a, you know, a, a paycheck, you can contribute to a Roth IRA. But traditional IRAs were not allowed to be made in the year you turned 70 and a half or later because they figured, well, that's the required minimum distribution age. Well, they've taken away that. Now, if you are working, uh, there is no age limit to making a contribution to a uh, traditional IRA. Yeah, and, and I, I, again, I never really quite understood why you couldn't contribute if you're still working. Oh, they an figured, IRA. you know, if you had to start enough taking money out, but then uh, they put so many loopholes on it. I mean, four hundred one ks, you know, right, retirement exactly. plans, SEPs, uh, other things we could contribute to, yeah. but we just couldn't do it to a traditional area. All right, so required minimum distributions for people born after June 1949 are now uh, age, age 72. 72, the year you turn age 72, and all the other rules still apply. You mentioned this a moment ago. 
Uh, one of the other things that has, has changed is the uh, inherited IRAs and eliminating what we call the stretch option. Let's just briefly talk about what that was. Well, now, this only applies to non-spouse beneficiaries. Spousal beneficiaries still have all the same rules that they had before. They can roll it into their own name, do whatever, do everything before. They didn't change anything dealing with a spouse that's a beneficiary of an IRA. What they changed was the rules for non-spousal beneficiaries. In the past, if I happened to pass away and I named my grand- grandchild, who is you know one years old, as the beneficiary of my IRA, that grandchild could stretch the distribution over their life expectancy, which is you know a one year old probably has a sixty plus year life expectancy. I don't know. Yeah, uh, what, what's their distribution? How much would they? Have you know, one sixtieth the first year. <laughs> yeah, you know, or you know, so it's based on age and life expectancy. That all changed for anybody who has an IRA, 401k, TSP, tax-deferred retirement account, for, and they pass away after 2019. If you passed away before 2019, your beneficiary can still stretch it under the old rules. Well, you're probably not listening if you did. But you may be a beneficiary of somebody who died last year. Yes. So that would not, you, you get the benefit of the stretch. If they died in 2020 or later. And you, re, and you inherited the IRA. If, if the death was in 2020 or later and you're the beneficiary, now you do not have a life expectancy calculation. You can't stretch it. You, you have to have 100% of the account gone Within 10 years. Do you still have to take out uh, a certain amount? Nope. Or it's, it comes out? So, it's so you just have 10 years to get it all out? Any amount you want to take out in any given right. year, you can take it out quicker, now, slower. It, you know, skip a year. Don't you know, Skip five years. Skip nine years. But then all of it has to – it just has to be emptied by the end of the 10th year. Yeah, and you're going to be taxed on so It's going to be in taxable income. So it's, it's probably not necessarily advisable to wait. As it turns out, Professor Plum, experience dictates that many people just take it all out within the first couple of years well, anyway. It also depends on the size of the IRA. Beneficiaries will distribute the IRAs within a couple of years anyway. I mean, we're talking about somebody who inherits $30,000, dollars $50,000. They're not going to stretch and take out you know, $1,500 you know, no, every year. they don't want to worry about RMDs. This is that. really going to affect the people that have very large IRAs and whose children are, are aware enough to know what's going on with it from a tax standpoint to realize that, you know, I, I know somebody who has a, a three-plus million-dollar IRA, and now their kids are going to have to take it out over 10 years. You know, that's even if on a pro data basis, that's 300-plus thousand a year yeah. with, with a little bit of growth on it. Whereas before, the kids are in their 40s, they may have been able to stretch it out over 30 years. Or longer. And, you know, depending upon their age. And right. So uh, it, it'll... it'll It'll push taxability up quicker. It, it won't affect a ton of people, but it will affect it'll some. It will affect some, and it now, will be a problem for uh, beneficiaries. Here's one that I find really interesting for, for a number of reasons, and it has to do with uh, allowing 401k plan sponsors to offer annuities as an investment option within the... I guess within the 401k, and I find that interesting because there are you know some very vocal opponents of annuities of all kinds. But the government's been a very uh, open proponent yes. of them. They've yes. been saying put annuities in there, specifically so, lifetime annuities, uh, single premium annuities, uh, deferred annuities that turn into single pre- immediate annuities. Uh, they that recognize have, that there could be some value for them. They've pushed for the longevity annuities. They just stink. Is the problem with them? Um, it, they, and what the what the bill does is it basically does two things. It changes the ability for employees to sue the employer for 
bad annuities, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, there's a fiduciary safe harbor that the plan can now do so that they, because before a lot of companies didn't want to go through and do the due diligence on the annuities. Well, there's a make, cost to that. And the other problem was a lot of annuities are issued and they can't change. They're issued to, in the name of the 401k. They're issued in the name of the, because that's the owner of them right now. And then when the person uh, terminates and wants to roll it to an IRA, that annuity can't change ownership from one owner to a, basically a, a non-related owner, even though the beneficiary is the same. And so they would make people cash them out and roll money. You know, it's cash. That's fine. But a lot of times we want to take them, as we would call, in kind to maintain the death benefit, maintain the income benefit, maintain the, the aspects of the annuity and roll it to an IRA. Not all annuities do that. Some do now, but now they're going to force everybody that's being issued to, to allow for that. So that's why they're now allowing more or it's going to make it easier to have annuities inside of 401 k Yeah, it's easier to invest in. It's easier to distribute it from uh, the plan. Um, there are a couple of small things, uh, small business uh, provisions. I don't know if we have to really get into that. Uh, they can join multi-employer plans. Right, I makes think there's some incentives. Yeah, a little them. economy of scale when you've got more people involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've offered tax credits for setting up the plan. They've offered tax credits for auto-enrollment. Which uh, is a nice thing. Auto, I mean, uh, auto enrollment, mm-hmm. uh, and they've increased the amount of auto-enrollment where they say, we're going to automatically enroll you, and you're going to put up to 10%. Now you can put up – we can auto-enroll you up for 15%. You have to back off. Yeah. And it allow part-time workers – before, we could exclude part-time workers as a, as a business owner, that you could exclude part-time workers so you didn't have to include them in the plan. Now, uh, part-time workers, and there's a couple different definitions for that, um, can be included in the plan. So you don't have to be a full-time employee to be, to be you know, included. Um, yeah, now, it's, uh, and a, a I like one for flexibility standpoint is, if somebody's just gotten through the year, they're sitting here now at the beginning of 2020, and they're saying, oh, I need to do some retirement planning. Well, about the only thing a business owner can do right now, or up until this Secure Act, was maybe a SEP. Uh, because we're past the, the we're January past the, 1st. Well, I mean, retirement plans had to be put in place, at least signed into place. Not necessarily funded, but signed into, you know, the documents signed by December 31st. The SEP was the one outsider that you, you don't have to set it up until you actually file your return. Now, all the plans, you can wait until after the end of the year and well, before you just, file your return to set up the plan. So it was a, a simplified employee pension, a SEP before that. What what, we what other plans now can we set up? A 401k? Well, not a 401k necessarily because a 401k it's is a salary, salary deferral. deferral. Yeah. I can't defer salary today that I earned a year ago. <laughs> these, these are really the retirement. I don't know if you want to. They're, they're not all necessarily retirement related, but in many ways they are. There are some non-retirement sections of this. I don't want to go through all of them again because some of them, many of them aren't all that relatable, but a couple of them are. You can now take penalty-free retirement plan and IRA distributions from your 401k, I guess, or is it just an IRA? I think it's any retirement plan. Penalty-free for births and adoptions. Yeah, that's for all plans. Okay. Well, so you can take money out of your 401k to what? Pay for a up to $5,000. But what are you paying for? For the adoption expense. What about, well, it says births and adoptions. What are you, you paying for? So you hand money to the doctor and you can take money out? I think it's more for the legal aspects of it. I, 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 haven't, I don't think yeah, it's going to affect that, that I, many people, so I didn't really read up heavily Well, it on probably won't, but you can take it out penalty-free for that. But that, for some people, you know, that may be It just adds to, to the go. exceptions. You know, we, we, death, death, disability, uh, mm-hmm. you know, education, um, some hospital or medical expenses for unemployed, this and the other thing. Uh, there are exceptions to the age 59 and a half rule. This just added a new one for adoption expense. 
Uh, kitty tax. Now, there's something called a kitty tax. K-I-D-D-I-E. It's a cute little name, but it actually can do some harm to people who want to try to transfer certain assets or certain income to their, their, their children. Well, um, let's in, talk in, about... In the old days, what we would do is transfer big blocks of very high cash flow bonds or stocks or whatever to our kids, let them take the income and pay for their own school, but they're in almost a no or zero tax bracket. So if we had paid tax on it in our name, we would have paid a lot of tax, but the kids didn't. Now, Congress said, well, that's just not fair. So they fair. put a little uh, little, little constraints on that. Uh, and it's crept up and gotten worse and worse over the years. And now, if the child is in college or in school under the age of 24, and they make more than $2,200 a year in what they call unearned income, meaning not wages you know, from a job um, or self-employment, then that excess money would be taxed up until a year ago. It was taxed at the parents' marginal rate. So it's as if the parents own the asset anyway. Yep. So the whole idea was to get away from shifting income. That, that was the whole point of it. You know, well, the, I, the, the it, Tax Cut Jobs Act or whatever they called that thing from a year or two ago changed the the taxation of that income from the parents' marginal rate to trust rates. And trust rates, trust me... <laughs> Are bad. Trust me, trust rates <laughs> it's are bad. It's the same bad. brackets. It's just that the amount of income you can have in each bracket, like we have a 12% bracket, 15% bracket, whatever. And trust rates do too. They have, but you can have almost, you, a married couple doesn't hit the 37% bracket until like 600 plus thousand dollars of taxable income. A trust hits the 37% bracket at about 10 cents. I mean, it's well, it's, not it's quite. Much, it's in. It's, it's twelve thousand. Like twelve thousand. Twelve thousand sits in my head. Yeah, but, that's but like that. So you hit the high end brackets yeah. very quickly at trust. They've repealed that now. So now it's back to marginal parents' marginal rates. And uh, if you were affected by it in 2018, you can file a, an amended return to get that excess tax back. Yeah, so it's not just uh, this going forward. It's if you if you have a kitty tax victim in your family. Right. Uh, you can uh, file an amended return for 2018. The kitty tax affects any kid under the age of 19 mm-hmm. or under age 24 if they're in school. couple more here. We're talking about the SECURE Act that was passed not that long ago and uh, some of the new provisions. Uh, this was good. I, uh, this was long overdue. You've been, you've been asking for this one for a while. Well, I have because, doggone it, I have one or my, for my because daughters. you ended up with some money in your 529 and they have a student loan out. Section 529 plans. Now, you put money in a 529 plan. You can let it grow, you know, over the life of the whatever. When you take it out, if it's used for qualified education expenses, such as tuition that you're paying, right. you can use it, uh, uh, take it out uh, tax-free. There's no tax on the growth. Now, what they didn't allow was for anybody to use 529 money for to pay back a student loan, right? Um, that, which that, made no sense. It, it had to be current expenses. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 an expense, but for whatever reason, they left it out. Now they're allowing distributions of up to $10,000 per year mm-hmm. to pay back student loans, qualified student loans. Uh, penalty-free, which I think is wonderful. I think it's absolutely great. Um, I've got yeah. just enough in this... <laughs> 529, 529 plan for your daughter to cover that although my daughter my daughter has used it for a couple of um, continuing education courses for her her business 
So now I'm thinking, yeah, do I really want to do that? Because it's really <laughs> come in handy. It's been great. But anyway, uh, you can do that and, and, and pay off student loans. So that's very nice. Very nice. And it's, it, it is. It's long, uh, it's long overdue. And then one which I just saw, and I'm sure you saw already, Professor Plum, there's an increased penalty for failure to file your federal returns. Yeah, I just didn't really pay that much attention to it. I didn't either. But there are some people who don't. Uh, I, I didn't even know what it was before. But uh, the dollar limit uh, for returns was $330. Um, well, oh, okay. If, if, if you don't file, the penalty was the lesser of $400 or 100% of the amount of tax due. So 400 bucks. <laughs> so 400 bucks is really what it was for the most part. Previously, it was $330. So, well, so so since it's the lesser as it, of if if you don't owe any federal tax, there's no penalty. There's no penalty. That's why a lot of seniors uh, don't file tax returns and they don't get a failure to failure to communicate oh. <laughs> because they didn't owe any tax, so there's no penalty. Yeah. yeah. So those are the those are the provisions. I just going over these very quickly. The the, the ones that are the the most relevant, I would say, certainly for retirees. Seventy two requ- required minimum distributions, uh, going up to age seventy two. For all of us in the next couple of years, it's we're all going to be age seventy two. Now it that there, that isn't a get out of jail free card for somebody who turned seventy and a half last year and won't be seventy two until you know twenty twenty one. They no. they don't get to miss their twenty twenty. It's only for people that were born after June 1949. You know, that's going to hit some people because they won't know that. They're going to hear, oh, it's 72. Well, I'm 70 and a half. I was going to have one, but nah, nah, I don't need one now. Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, I postponed my first one. I turned 70 and a half last year, mm-hmm. and I, po- I was going to postpone it. So I didn't take it last year. I'm taking it this year. That means that now I've got the new No, that doesn't mean you've got the new rule. You still fall under the old category. Absolutely. So there's that. That's the big one, the um, uh, stretch provision, eliminating that. While it doesn't affect a lot of people, the people it does affect it's it is Hard. It's going to hit them really, really hard. And um, the annuities, allowing the annuities in the plan. Yeah, we'll uh, see how much that takes off. Well, you know, well, we won't get into the annuity discussion. Maybe sometime we will. But uh, at least to me, it shows that the government is saying, you know, there is, but there may be some benefit for annuities, I think, in, in many cases. And then the kitty tax thing, uh, those, are the, those are the big things. You deal with uh, uh, people a lot, especially with required minimum distributions, Professor Plum. Before we, we, we get ready to go here, is there anything that people need to know other than that? You've read the whole SECURE Act, and you've got it all memorized. And now that so. I woke up from reading it. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, like we talked about it. It affects people that were born after you know, June 1949. Yeah. Um, I mean, so what? I mean, and right now there's a, a small group of people who were born, you know, just at the right time that will be able to postpone their required yeah. minimum distribution by a year. So I suppose Maybe the, whole, the, the whole point was of this whole SECURE Act was to raise the required minimum distribution <laughs> age. I don't know. I mean, they're going to take it I, away at some point. Being but. cynical of Congress, I think the whole reason for the SECURE Act was to shorten, take away the stretch. They've, they've proposed it in the past. They haven't been able to do it. This way they, got, they, they basically disguised it as doing something good for you by raising it to 72 so they could get rid of the stretch. It will raise tax dollars. They don't want to raise tax. They don't, they don't even look to see how much comes they, in. They are looking for ways to posture themselves. I mean, whether it works or doesn't work. Well, it's not going to work, but whatever. All right, so that's it. Uh, if you need some help with this stuff, and again, it, it, it does affect retirees, certain retirees. And as we said, there are a couple provisions that can really hurt if you don't uh, where, it, where it helps are for people 
who want to do Roth conversions totally. a longer period of time. In fact, our whole Social Security strategy is even more enhanced by this <laughs> retirement enhancement whatever. Now, one thing you know, we talk about a lot in, in other podcasts and other areas, the qualified charitable distribution. For a lot of time, people coordinated oh, yes, that that's with one. required minimum. It is not coordinated. With, it no. just helps provide for or satisfy the RMD. So no change was made to the qualified charitable distribution. That's still available to anybody who is 70 and a half, even though they don't have a required minimum distribution or may not have a required Mm -hmm. minimum distribution. You can still do a qualified charitable distribution at 70 and a half and older and not have an issue with it. So remember, even before this rule, the QCD, the qualified charitable distribution, didn't have to be the RMD, the required minimum. It could be any amount you wanted from zero to $100,000. It just helps satisfy. It can the help RMD. satisfy. Or a portion. In of. this case, you may not have an RMD, but you'll still be able to do the QCD, assuming you're at least 70 and a half when you'd make it. And you may want to do that for purposes of Social Security of taxation. I was I've, talking with somebody the other day, and they talked about the QCD, and I said, Are you charitably inclined? And they said, well, yeah, we give money to X, you know, every year. And, and you are 70 and a half or older. There's one minor. That no, doesn't even help. No, that, I'm trying to find a downside. I just All right. Uh, anyway, we're, we're out of time here. If you need help with any of this stuff, and I'm sure you do at some point, you'd like to talk to somebody with a lot of knowledge about this and somebody who actually works with strategies. you got Professor Plum right here or any of the Lucia Capital Group advisors. They're here to help you. Give them a call at uh, 800-644-1150. They'll be happy to set you up with uh, a retirement strategy, with a retirement plan, a roadmap to get you where you want to go. 800-644-1150. Out of time for the Professor Plum. I'm Johnny Dean. This is Managing Your Financial Future. We'll talk to you again next time. The information provided should not be considered specific tax, legal, or investment advice and is specific to any individual's personal circumstances. This material cannot be used by a taxpayer for the purpose of avoiding penalties that may be imposed by law. This material was gathered from sources believed to be reliable. Its accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Always seek counsel of the appropriate advisor prior to making any investment decision. All investments are subject to risk, including the loss of principle. This information may change at any time without notice. Different types of investments and or investment strategies involve varying levels of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment or investment strategy, including the investments purchased and or investment strategies devised by Lucia Capital Group, will be either suitable or profitable for a client's or prospective client's portfolio. Thus, investments may result in a loss of principle. Accordingly, no client or prospective client should assume that the presentation or any component thereof serves as the receipt of or a substitute for personalized advice from Lucia Capital Group or from any other investment professional. IRA with Withdrawals will be taxed at ordinary income rates. Withdrawals prior to age 59 and a half may also be subject to a 10% penalty tax. Roth IRA earnings will be taxed at ordinary income rates, and a 10% penalty tax will apply if withdrawn prior to age 59 and a half or within five years of the date the Roth IRA was established, whichever is longer. Earnings from a 529 college savings plan can grow tax-deferred and may be withdrawn free of federal taxes when used for qualified education expenses. Non-qualified withdrawals are subject to a 10% penalty tax. Lucia Capital Group is not affiliated with or endorsed by SSA. Social security rules can be complex. For more information, on Social Security benefits, visit www.ssa.gov or call 800-772-1213. Insurance products offered through Lucia Securities, LLC, California Insurance License Number 0H40817. Lucia Securities is licensed to offer such insurance products as life, disability, long-term care, and annuities. Lucia Securities is the DBA for Lucia Insurance Services. Annuities are long-term investment products designed for retirement purposes. Guarantees are based on the claims-paying ability of the issuer subject to their terms and conditions. Early withdrawals may be subject to surrender penalties and, if taken prior to age 59, and a half may be subject to an additional 10% federal tax. Annuities are not FDIC insured. Certain terms and conditions apply. So please read insurance company materials carefully. The investment professionals are registered representatives
representatives with. And securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, and member FINRA SIPC. Lucia Securities, LLC, was acquired by LPL Financial, August 2020. The investment professionals of Lucia Securities, LLC, are now affiliated with LPL Financial and are conducting business using the name Lucia Capital.